Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I feel honored. I know this is a big first. Thanks so much for joining us for take two, um, real podcast style this time. We just told everyone to talk close to the microphone, and I did not. So joining us this week is Mara Carabello from the Exoro Group, Brett Tolman, former U.S. attorney here in Utah, and we're just learning that he's here with us. Um, just as a rarity, he hangs out at the White House with President Trump these days. So thanks for joining <laughs> us for this inaugural podcast without video, which is the way real podcasts are done. Uh, tell us a little, probably like, hmm, what does he do now that he's not a U.S. attorney? Yeah, you know, I never have, I guess, anticipated where my career would go. And, um, you know, I loved being a U.S. attorney, federal prosecutor. That was the best. And now I love what I do now better. I went into private practice, found myself loving policy work, um, did not ever want to run for election because I had, I, you know, any position back there. I had lived back in uh, D.C. and been in Congress and knew I would hate it. So this is the best way I can do, you know, influence that arena without actually being an elected official. So Okay, so I've been asking everyone who joins us to tell something weird or interesting about themselves. You can do that or you can tell us that you've been spending um, – a little time with uh, President Trump and that you've maybe been a little surprised by what you've seen in your interactions with him? You know, I have. My my really only impression was Twitter, you know, like a lot of people. And that's quite an impression. And that's an impression. Um, but when I started working on criminal justice issues, for example, and started advising the White House, I interacted with Jared Kushner and his team and started interacting with the president, and I was blown away. I mean, he is so good with just regular down-to-earth people that I think that's what everybody doesn't realize. If you're an Ivy Leaguer, um, you're going to really struggle to engage with him because you don't like his answers on so many issues and you don't like the top of his head comes across. But, boy, regular people, and it's it crosses So would all. Mara even like hanging out with him? She would. It's a test. It's a test. A regular I, she, person. So I have, I have some very close <laughs> – close Democrat friends who are working on, you know, issues back in D.C. who have been in the White House with me. And several of them have con- commented, boy, if the, if the nation saw him in this sort of environment and what he does, um, we'd be in trouble. And they hope that they don't because they, they know that that would be a very difficult message. You know, for the country. All right. Well, since you're good friends with him, he's if he's ever in town, invite him over for the podcast, and Mara and I will be the we'll real decide. test and see if, he, right. if yes. he's super fun to hang out with. It'll be called Beyond the Tweet. Ooh, that'll be good. I'm so ready for it. So there's, of course, a ton to talk about this week, locally but nationally. I want to talk because today is a historic day. Uh, yesterday, we saw the pomp and circumstance. Uh, the papers were walked from the House to the Senate for the impeachment trial. Um I know that's how we do it historically. I didn't like the 30 pens personally with the signing. I watched that and I was like, oh my gosh, jab my eyes out. Let's like do this. It's a part of history. It's important, but let's not make mementos for this. Uh, We're starting today. And as we look at this, Mara, uh, 
Mitt Romney stands to play an interesting role in this because Democrats need three or four Republicans to really side with them if they want to get the witnesses in there. What do you see happening with Senator Romney, and do you think he's enough of a leader that he could get those extra three people they need? I don't know. I, I will I will say that Romney, for me, has been very consistent, and I have appreciated that. He's consistently, I think, held to process over circumstance. Uh, as we look at how the process has gone, I, I will be the first to say that I was disappointed by how the House leaders, so the Democrats, handled it at the time. I think as we see the baton pass to Mitch McConnell, I was hoping he would elevate the situation um, to the gravity. It doesn't seem like that's going to be you know, happening either. I think now we're just seeing the flip side of, of the drama. Mm-hmm. Um, from the Republicans, I will say that I think Mitt Romney, one, he is interestingly in play because he has said, I, I'm, I might have a conversation about witnesses. To your point, can he bring others along? I, I don't know if that's his goal. I, I am going to give him a shout out to being consistent, though. He has mm-hmm. he has held to this position of openness and process, and, and I think he's continuing. Do you want to see witnesses? I, I mean, I do, but I would also use that as an indictment of the House process a little bit as well. And so, again, I want to say for my consistency, the gamesmanship I haven't appreciated. This is a grave measure. I would be on the side that says it's warranted, but I, I still think we've been gaming it too much. Um, so, yes, I would like to see witnesses, um, and I say that uh, at the same time, I would say I, I, I missed a little bit of that process in the House. Yeah, I I think it's in- incredible to hear someone, you know, on the Democrat side offer some thoughtful criticism of what happened on the process uh, uh, in the House. Um, but I, I take us back a couple of steps, and um, I wasn't in support of the impeachment, certainly not in support of the impeachment of Trump today. We're using this as a political sword. I think we did back then, and 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 yet there we had nearly 1,500 days of investigation before they sent it over. You had hundreds of witnesses you had a process that both sides engaged in and they agreed to um here you you had 75 days and you had an iron fist you know majority that was not going to even allow a minority day of 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 witnesses which which is a rule um and and so it was really tough and and i i do hear not on national media but I do hear among my friends saying, hey, I didn't like the way it was handled, whether they're Democrat or Republican. Now as it flips over and it's over on the, on the Senate side, I still think we are missing some major components of a really compelling impeachment case. Is it witnesses or something else? Both. I think it's both. I mean, think about it. The president claims there's corruption in Ukraine that he was concerned about. He claims that there was no investigation. He sees the clips, obviously, of Joe Biden confidently talking about what seems to, to you and I when we watch it akin to some sort of you know, strong-armed bribery of, of the um, Ukrainian government, and he wants to know about it. Now, is that accurate? 
let's have some witnesses. Let's have Hunter. Let's also have them on the other side. Let's let's have Bolton. Let's have a lot of witnesses and put together a really full. But is the Senate taking record. that baton pass? I mean, I I would say again, and and I'm going to stand by my criticism of the House, but the hypocrisy of not holding that same. I mean, they're different bodies. They have different charges, and certainly they're at a very different part of the process. I want to acknowledge mm-hmm. that without right. spending too right. much time being that specific. But you're also looking at Mitch McConnell not rising to the occasion of his position either. And and um, I, I think that we have to look, and the one thing I don't think they're feeling is public pressure to be public stewards. And I think what we're all concerned about is that this become a regularly used tool in the political toolkit, right? That the I precedents that we're worried about. Handle that. Yeah. I, I right. don't no, think we but can. I think it's going to happen. But to your point, the Senate can't rise any higher than what the House delivered. That's not right? true. I you, never believe. I'm so tired of politicians telling me no, that I'm a not, bad actor because the guy before me More was on, a bad no, actor. No, no, no. It's not bad acting though. I think Mitch McConnell is doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. The the evidence has to be obtained into the House and presented, and then you try. It's a political trial. It's not like the court of law. Correct. So he's there, and they've they've presented to him an article of impeachment that does not articulate a crime. But he's also does not articulate he's also a crime. carrying the messaging of the executive branch, which is not the role of the Senate. Well, I didn't hear you when Tom Daschle did it for Bill Clinton. And he very clearly did. Right. And the, I hear that. Democrats but the were argument not upset about of it, right? back in the 60s, this is 70s, that's what Nixon did. And back in the 90s mm-hmm. is not the way for us to set appropriate public policy in the current zeitgeist. The reason it is, though, and I agree with you, except for the fact that Congress is precedent based as well. And so they know they have They're a setting long precedence. They're right. using precedence. They set its precedence and they right. follow precedence. I think the interesting thing too is everyone says they hate how political it is, but impeachment is political. I mean, there's no real rules to it. But I was listening, interestingly enough, yesterday on the radio to um, Chris Cannon, former Representative Chris Cannon. He was in office at the time of 1999 and the Clinton impeachment trials. And he was talking a little bit about this time around. And he said that when he was picked, because he was one of the managers, and there's been a lot of do about who picked the managers and how they'll have a say in this. He was a manager at the time, and he says he was picked by the judiciary, which was different than being picked by the House Speaker. Does that matter, either of you, at this point, you know, how they were picked if as we go forward? Because it is, I mean, there's no rules to how this works. Look, if, if I was in charge, I think I could have done this in a way that would be very difficult for the Republicans and for Mitch McConnell. I mean, think about it. If you had given a lot of process to the Republicans and you'd, like, quiet them, if you had, you know— their day, let them have their witnesses, let them bring them in, and then you still voted and you were successful. And then if you followed very closely the precedent that was set under Clinton, you eliminate all of those arguments. And it doesn't seem then at that point it's Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, and Representative Nadler that are really trying to push this in a direction that they've it, always wanted since It perhaps won, is a rare right? instance where political strategy, good political strategy, also equaled good process. And I think had the right. House looked at it, and, and to be frank, I mean, I, I, this is me knowing nothing, so this is from the cheap seats, but I, I would say I don't know that this was Nancy Pelosi's preferred path, right? I think her caucus 
uh, pushed her, pushed her away. Yeah. And so I think probably in the back of her mind, she's thinking what I'm thinking, which was this isn't, if, if your eye on the prize is sort of long-term policy uh, power, perhaps the White House, perhaps taking over both houses or wh- whatever that is, um, giving undue process if you have assurances, which again, frankly, I lay on the side of, of, of criticizing um, Trump and believing that it was right to criticize him. So n- knowing that that is my framework, I would still have had the political political strategy of overprocess, if you will, of having everything, because my point of view would be, I trust so much that the process will show my results, think, if you will. Think about some of my cases I prosecuted, and I used to get so frustrated with some of my fr- federal judge friends. They were friends even, but were in the, these cases, and they would give, they would bend over backwards, it seemed, to, to allow evidence in that I know the rules of evidence shouldn't allow, and it used to just drive me crazy. And then you start to see what they're doing. And the reason is, is it cuts down the ability to appeal if you're giving the defendant the ability to put into evidence what they want and keep out what they don't. So a lot of deference is given. Had they done that, they could have taken a really strong higher ground and pushed it over to McConnell and then Right. What does he do? So, so back to sort of what I'm now looking for again, and maybe Mitt Romney, Mm -hmm. um, there's so much that the viewer can't control, obviously. There's nothing the viewer can control. But I am still hope against hope in a divided country looking for statesmen. I, I hate the use of the, the male mm-hmm. version, but I don't know that states people feels quite right yet. So yeah. I'm still looking <laughs> for a member of either body, frankly, to rise above and start articulating some moderation. And <clears throat> while there are a million bad actors, uh, I want to see a few people in the spirit of saying, let's remind ourselves who we are and what we're doing um, and how strong the Senate and the House are. And again, what I'm still lacking is every time someone stands up, I'm like, don't even bother. I know what you're going to say. It's true. And we could talk about impeachment all day long. There's one more thing I want to talk about before we talked about some local issues. But interestingly enough, we have four senators who are running for president, and they're on the campaign trail. I think I was looking up. I haven't looked up everyone, but Bernie Sanders, I think the last time he probably stepped foot inside the chambers of the Senate were maybe like June or July. <laughs> and so now they're being forced to you know, walk away from the campaign and do their day job, which I think is important. That's one thing I hate about how long these elections last. Me and too. Yeah, so I would like to see them show up, take a part in this, because I don't like to hear people talking from the sidelines and complaining if they're not taking part. But now we have uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn. She's a Republican from Tennessee, and she's saying, I don't want them to take part. Should they take part? Because she thinks that if they have too much at stake here because they're running for president and they shouldn't have a say in whether or not the man they want to replace could be impeached. Well, look, I, I, I see that as an attempt to apply traditional... Uh, ethics, you know, judicial ethics in recusing or not on it. They, they're they not going to be president if he's impeached and tried and convicted. They're just not. So they're just as politically biased as anybody else in that, and it's a political forum. So this is the least persuasive argument. I understand it, and it's a good political sort of, you know, punch and counterpunch that, that they can use to suggest they should leave and, and not participate I think it's the weakest of the arguments, right? Because yeah. they yeah, there's no merit in suggesting right. that I mean, someone who is elected to an office shouldn't always go on record on important on important yeah. issues. I mean, I'd rather I'd rather Chuck Schumer recuse himself. If you go back and look at what he said about the president, there's no way he can be. <laughs> these are also representatives. But These are not test. That's right. Is, so the, my point is, nobody should recuse. Testimony. Yeah. Yeah. You're nobody. elected. You should go on record. And it's political. Show up and do your job. It's a political trial anyway. So everybody's biased. All right. It'll 
be interesting to see how long it lasts and how long it keeps them off the campaign trail. Maybe it'll be like the best thing to happen to Andrew Yang. <laughs> I kind of want to hang the out. The Yang Yang will yeah. get a boost from this. He seems so fun. Okay, I want to talk about a couple things here. Uh, Representative Bishop, he said after stringing everyone along and I've made up my mind and I have this big announcement finally this week, he's like, nope, I'm not running. Are you surprised by that, Mara? I was a little surprised, but let's throw in today's rumor because I think they're going to be tomorrow's reality in which um, all the rumor is that he he and um, Thomas Wright will quickly announce that Bishop will be his lieutenant governor. So I'll, again, I'll repeat, it's a rumor, but boy, is everyone talking about but it. But he's admitted that he would right. be somebody's lieutenant, right. and so... Do you think that's just an easy way? You don't have to run. You can find a teammate. I think it, it is. I, I think oftentimes individuals that have been, you know, elected officials and they that's been sort of their career um, or their most favorite part of their career, they look for every opportunity to kind of stay relevant and stay involved. And this is what it feels like, you know, because it can be exhausting doing, you know, the, the day in and day out that he's been doing for years. Yeah. Um, I could see this as something he sees like that's a perfect fit for me. Yeah, it's an interesting strategy, but too, if they do go out with a ticket so early and no one else is going out with a ticket. What does that say about the top that that they want to maybe a delegate filler, as, yeah. as you would suggest, or maybe yeah. it says nothing. Who knows? I know yeah. there's a lot of people running some interesting strategery yes. going on here. <laughs> but, um, speaking of Lieutenant Governor, Spencer Cox uh, made headlines I guess it started last weekend, and it sort of dragged out probably longer than it should have been. But he made some uh, comments about abortion at the Eagle Forum. And I'm wondering if you think this has much ado about nothing or if this was an important thing or maybe possibly a slip-up. I have exactly what he said here. I want to read it so I don't mess it up. But uh, at the Eagle Forum, he was talking about abortion, and he said... Um, to this basically conservative crowd at the event, he believes future Americans will regret abortion like Americans today regret slavery. Now, critics to Cox's political left, they pounced, uh, they chided him and said that you should never be equating slavery to abortion. Um, he didn't say a lot for a day or two, which I think always makes it worse from a public, I guess, a PR standpoint than he talked. And what he said afterwards is he said, you know, maybe it was a wrong comparison, but I... I'm against abortion. I want to make sure that that's the stand that I take. Those weren't his exact words, but that's where it was at. Utah Democratic Black Caucus was upset. Do they have right to be upset, Mara? Um, it's a bad idea to use certain historic, really grave, monumental black marks in history for any use to use slavery, misstep to use a number of certain things that should be held alone and should be honored for what they were. So having said that, do I think Spencer Cox intended to insult? He didn't, I don't think. I think I think um, one of the things I, I want to start balancing is how do you balance holding someone accountable? And I would say to Spencer Cox, yeah, no, no, that was not okay and not a good idea. At the same time, you know, they're talking a lot. They're trying to convey concepts and theories. They're trying to get their message across. Yeah. And we are just so ready to pounce and snark on everybody. So I don't want to lay uh, any more fuel to the fire of peanut gallery snarks as a person. I do think he was trying to, he wasn't trying to equate it. He was more saying history will see. But I will just say as a footnote and a counselor to elected officials, yeah, it should be obvious there are some things you might just want to not well, or, yeah, and or not only in. just obvious, um, if we learned anything through the marriage equality movement, it was how the Black Caucus also weighed in very heavily to say, stop comparing it to what we went through. It's not exactly the same. No. And they were right. 
And we should have learned from that. I think Spencer probably now really has a, a good feel for that. I was really interested, though, to see how he would handle kind of this first misstep because he's been a bit of Teflon, right? Yeah, and I he's mean, the he's, front runner. He's the front runner. He's everybody on both sides, you know, seems to enjoy and like him. Um, he's kind of got an answer for everything. And so he's got that Bill Clinton almost ability. So I was interested to see how he would handle it. Do you think other view that this hurts him in the long run or we're so far out that it was just a blip here and we move on? I think it's a blip, but I mean, as Brett's saying, it's the first time where we've seen yeah. him legit misstep and not give a great correction. So we're all going to move around. It's a yeah. moment in time. I don't, but, not but a it, great correction. It's you know? not a great correction. And so is that is that something that, you know, Greg Hughes, John Huntsman, others are going to be able to capitalize? Because let, let me tell you, Huntsman is good. He's great. He's yeah. really good. Yeah. So you're going to have to be on your top game. It'll be interesting. While you guys are talking, I'm looking up the condom names. That's what we're moving to next. Are you so excited? <laughs> so yesterday, Twitter was so excited that the state health department uh, came out with an HIV campaign. And I give it to whoever came up with these like condom wrappers because mm-hmm. we've all laughed in, at a few of these funny things because they're just Utah-isms. But um, when the governor saw it, he apparently was not in the loop and didn't love it. Um, I'm trying to pull up some of the names of these. Uh, so we've all seen the T-shirts where it's the Salt Lake City, Utah, the slut. That's on one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bed that says, this is the place. <laughs> one of the ones that made me cringe was like this black hole, and it says, explore Utah's caves. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Greatest sex on earth? Okay, I can buy into that. Uinta sex? That was creative. That is creative. That is Toss good. the jello salad. Put your arch into it. Some of these, I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Fillmore Beaver. We don't have to say much about that. Which is, you know, on a, on a sign on I-15. Yeah, sure. I, so anyhow, we've laughed about it. but I'll tell you what's cringy sort of to me is Utah, again, not being able to handle something like this in a in a better way. I mean, I'm, I'm a friend of the governor's, but... Come on. It got us talking, right? And right, isn't that it, what you have to do to so solve I'm problems? Gonna wonk, I'm going to wonk a little. And, and I and I also have to just say I'm going to push back on this was not a good leadership moment for the governor. And let me tell you I why. I agree with that. So, I, I'm just saying stop, yeah, right? This is my agree. libertarian right. side. It's just saying government, step back. Step this back. is how I felt. The other thing I, I think we want to be clear of and, and where I think good leaders are is – is they don't they they let experts do their thing. So let me tell you what the context is that we all know. This is an HIV public health plan. So here's what we know. I I mean I, I communications public communications are what I do for a living. And what we know about health crises is that you need the targeted audience to take note and to take action. So this is a plan that cuts through all the garbage and he, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Gary Herbert's not the targeted audience for people who need condoms to stop HIV spreading. And so I look and say, these were professionals who understood how to get what they want. And in the HIV crisis, one thing we should know about this healthcare plan is that we can also solve it. And the way we solve it is people using condoms. So if you know to use this, haven't you achieved your goal? So now I'm going to go to taxpayer money. Uh, here's what I want from my taxpayer money. And this is federal money we should know. I don't even think it's state dollars. I just want it to achieve its goals. And so if you've identified your audience and you've cut through the garbage, I'm a little concerned that you're using sort of um, personal... 
I'm sure it doesn't appeal to many people, but that's not the test of good public dollars. That's not the test of health policy projects. And I think it's your own sensibilities or your own sensibilities. But what I want to see used with my tax dollars is an ROI. And this is a terrific campaign when it comes from who's your audience? Can you cut through? Could you get them to use the solution? And I saw... I saw a leader stretching into two state departments and wanting to micromanage based on personal sensibility. And that's just not what I want to see with my tax dollars. And interestingly enough, I've noticed when I'm driving into work, uh, I don't know if it's 6 South or right in when I get on I-15, but there's big billboards that are like, gone limp. And then it's for eating. And I'm like, okay, so we can have these on the street, but we can't have these. And I mean, it's right. a very targeted audience. And we've talked about this before. I think we've got more people reporting STDs in Utah than... We have the flu or anything else. It's like swipe right for chlamydia I, these days. Yeah, so. I, I had a couple, a couple of elected officials, not going to reveal who they are, Ooh. texting me last night about this and the Sexy. articles. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and they just don't get Utah, you know. And so we have a unique politics here. Um, regardless of what your, your moral you know, code might, might say, this is one that just feels like an overreaction and not thinking through the target audience, like you said, look, I had five teenagers at one point, and right. this would this would resonate. <laughs> it would, and you know, again, this public policy—the whole point is to get them to take an action. And 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 again, this is when I say. Let experts do their job, spend our money wisely, and leave out emotions and personal opinions. This is what my fourteen would. Or, 14-year-old would say, he'd be like, okay, boomers. Right. I, I yes. would like to think that yes. he doesn't get those Sadly. condoms, but I think he gets those jokes. We have to have a little bit of breaking news. I just got a text from one of my producers. It has just been confirmed that Bishop is indeed Thomas Wright's running mate, so they're in it to win it together. <laughs> there you so, go. Yeah. yeah, we were just talking about that. So interesting to see how that um, kind of called that. I got to <laughs> give you props on that. Yeah, and I actually think there's one person who's running, and I don't want to call them out for it, but I believe they're running for the intent of being someone else's lieutenant governor, and I'm wondering how quickly that person will team up with somebody else just to make the teamwork dream work happen so it'll be interesting it's an interesting question to delegates about whether that's more appealing or less appealing to you because we run you really are governor and second on the ticket as opposed to other states where almost have equals running in some Mm -hmm. ways so you know it's an interesting i shouldn't just say delegates i should say republican voters um and and it's an interesting question about does it matter does it make you stronger does it make you weaker yeah yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. With so many people in the race, I feel like it's going to spread the votes out, so it'll be interesting to see how that happens. I do want to note, just because we've been talking about it for weeks, um, that the effort is still going on for the tax referendum, and I've been a little surprised by how many numbers they have. I think their official numbers are still only at 19,000, so not awesome, but they're making a significant effort, so it'll be interesting when we meet again next week to see if they can get closer to their Never high water line. Never seen anything like yeah. this in yeah. terms of a legit grass. I mean, we throw around grassroots, but this is this yeah. is not coming from a large special interest. This is sort of coming from uh, subject or, you know, group by group. And it's got some mojo there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, before we leave, I want to talk about this was just a number that was um, kind of hidden in. There's been a lot hidden this week. Oddly enough, I think we'd be talking about headlines about the Chinese trade deal if we weren't talking about impeachment right? and a million yeah, other things right? that are. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, good news going on, but this one was one um, that hasn't been talked about much either. But the U.S. government's December jobs report came out, and it actually shows that there's more women than men in the job market now, which surprised me because when we talk about equal pay, you just think there's just not enough women out there. But 50.04%, so we're like barely over the half line, but that's, I think, about 100,000 people. 
does this mean anything to women in the workforce or is it just a number at this point? I think it does. I, I just sent my uh, oldest daughter off to Boston College. She's getting her master's degree. She seems so driven. She seems like she has confidence. Um, she wants a career that is rewarding and fulfilling. And I, so I see her ambitions and her expectations seem to have raised. Awesome. And so I think it makes a big difference. I want to see this continue um, in the workforce and also in academics, where it does in some universities and not others. I think that statistics also, current statistics, help the dialogue of getting rid of some antiquated arguments that, we, as you suggested with your daughter, that women um, don't want to be in the workplace or that they don't want to be present and and um, that they don't have career goals. I think that when we can take away some of those misnomers about you know the crutches that I believe people are using to argue that women are paid less tender to be things about women's behavior. And I would say, no, I, I don't think they're necessarily, I think there's some implicit bias built into the system there. But when you can see statistically that women yeah. are a dominant part of the workforce. One of, one of the groups I work with is Justice Action Network. It is a large, you know, 501c3, and they are funded by Arnold Ventures. Um, so their effort is, you know, it's pure. It's really amazing effort on criminal justice reform and mm -hmm. that. The director of that is Holly Harris uh, from Kentucky, one, one of the finest, greatest leaders I've ever been around. And I would follow her anywhere. Mm -hmm. And do you know how many, you know how unusual that is, I think, still to acknowledge that maybe one of the it's finest true. leaders they've ever had is, is a woman? And, and it's overdue, certainly. But I look at what she does day in, day out, and way, the way that she leads and directs this whole organization. And I'm in awe. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, and so we have a, we have a long ways to go, but I love what I'm seeing and what I'm learning and what I hope my boys are learning. And, you know, I'm going to just give a shout out to step, you know, one of the first steps we have to continue to do for both particularly equal pay issues. Uh, I was so this is a subset of a subset. But for those of you who are empowered to do this, which not everyone is, I would say um, I was at a forum several years ago with Sotomayor and a woman stood up. So this is a working professional. She was an attorney. So, again, I would say she had some choice. And she says to Sotomayor, you know, 70 cents on the dollar or whatever it was, she challenges and says, how does how do women e get equal pay? And Sotomayor said, first thing I'm going to say to you is ask for it. So for women who have that ability, not, not everyone does. Men and women have different levels of empowerment within their work environment. But one of the things that these statistics and strong leadership tells you is the very first personal responsibility we have is to ask for equal treatment, whatever that yeah. may be for you. Mm -hmm. Own your own future. I know we see all those teachers, not teachers, T-shirts that say women are the future. And I sort of like the sentiment, but I sort of don't because I really want just whoever's best for the job and women exactly. who are doing great work exactly. and men right. doing great work. It's not all about women. And, and both to women. be equally yeah, considered. That's just right. be awesome and whoever's mm -hmm. best at the job, get the job. But I want women to step up to the plate and men too. And well, look, I've noticed yeah. though, men that have not been around strong women, they, you know, I'm married to a very strong woman and she's a leader in our home and it, it's amazing and it's taught her sons you know that women are strong and they're leaders if you haven't been around it i mean those are the ones that have to learn that's where the education has to occur right. and right. and we still have an uphill battle to do that all right we're willing to keep climbing thank <laughs> you so much for being here for our inaugural podcast where they can't see us so we all were look making nice faces we're dressed to the hilt right. sequins everything <laughs> that's right. just imagine it in your brain so thank you so much mara for being here thank you for being here today brett and thank you. we'll do this again sometime thanks for joining us tell your friends about it subscribe we'll be here next friday